Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast, the second episode of The Distance Within Us. This podcast, as I've explored with you before, uncovers everything to do with the feminine and how we can create a stronger connection to that space within us and shorten the distance between you and your spiritual self. I will uncover and explore everything to do with relationships, lifestyles, sex and regaining sovereignty over your own life. I really hope you enjoy the second episode. (laughs) I'm already giggling at the concept of what I'm about to share with you all, but I believe that this needs to be heard. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so what you're about to listen to is literally just a conversation between me and my partner, Paul Robinson, who is currently in a long distance relationship with me. We talk about everything from keeping our long distance relationship interesting or lack of to how we communicate with each other during sex to make sure that the other person knows that we're uncomfortable and that we need to move on or stop completely and how we can achieve that without actually hurting each other's feelings which you'll discover isn't always successful. We also explore the 16 month celibacy that was forced upon us with my womanly problems that I had going on at the time and it will be interesting for you to hear his perspective and where he was on the receiving side of that. Okay so welcome everyone to the podcast that Paul and I have decided that we're going to share with you. My vision for this podcast is to kind of give you guys like an honest overview. Paul would you agree? An honest overview, maybe an uncomfortable honest overview would probably be something that we've looked into. (laughs) So like just the way that relationships really are and how there can be so much discomfort but at the same time like the the joy and passion and happiness and the idea of the future being together just totally outweighs all of that when it comes down to the bottom line and the nitty-gritty of everything that we go through so I don't know what what what's your vision for this Paul what's your idea of it what what do you think will come out of this Mm, to be honest I'm hoping just to shine a light on a few different areas that people like to sweep under the rug when it comes to relationships and if it can be uh, possibly taboo subjects that you're going to talk about and possibly ideas that people haven't really like explored before then we're just going to lay it all out on the table the way that we see it and if people want to listen to it happy days it might might spark some some enthusiasm back into their relationships and give them ideas of how to approach different situations I love just be a little bit more of a positive light towards where they could be going in it rather than where they actually are yeah I actually love the quote that you just said is like to talk about those topics that are often swept under the rug like how common is that Paul in relationships like even in the past and present sometimes you're just like no no like I don't want to bring that up because I don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings and I don't want to put my like you know my discomfort I'll just I'll just keep quiet and then like how much resentment does that build in a relationship it's it like something that you were just saying there just now was like the even the the that silly idea of like oh I don't want to bring that up or I don't want to say anything just in case I hurt their feelings 
But what people aren't recognizing is the fact that you're avoiding being the bad guy. It's not because you care about their feelings. It's actually most of the time because you don't want to feel like the bad person bringing something up. Nothing to do with them. (laughs) That's actually so true. You're like trying to preserve your own position, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, your own... um, yeah, the, the image that you're portraying in the relationship or the image that you're portraying in the world, you're like, I don't want to be the bad guy and highlight this. <laughs> and you know, like in the beginning of our relationship, when we probably overshared our past experiences when it came to sex, past relationships, cheating, you know, everything, we literally shared all of our past experiences. And at, 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 like in hindsight, looking back, do you think that that was a good idea or... Like, I, I personally think that it helped us at a point where we could be like, well, I, I know you, you know, but it was hard to kind of get through, well, you've done this in the past, so why wouldn't you do it to me? You've done, you know, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's one of the main things that people would struggle with is like, if you find out your partner's past and then you have this, this, preconceived idea of who they were and then all of a sudden when you're at the lowest point in your in your own life like that's when you start to when the ghosts start to creep in and you start to feel like well well they cheated on that lovely person before why wouldn't they cheat on me especially if you're going through a rough time and you can't um and you're not finding it easy to find self-esteem you've got low confidence like your job's going badly your friends are falling apart you just in a bad space that's when it starts to feel more likely that the other person's going to cheat on you or more likely that they'll run away with some shiny object which is usually like just an, an, an idea a fragment of our imagination that's way better than us yeah so will we go back to like the beginning of our relationship where the both of us where you actually came from your mentorship and you were like orla i've got this idea of this new thing and I think it's it's helped me discover like why you've cheated in the past and why I've cheated in the past and it's our wheel of fortune and I think that like that's actually something that is so important for couples to do together like I genuinely believe the vulnerability in communication in relationships is the key to moving forward in love with honesty like we promised each other from the start love and honesty no matter how brutally honest we needed to be and at times that's really difficult but I think that that's one of the saviors in our relationship is it always comes back to knowing that you've been honest and knowing that you can allow yourself to be whole in that moment with that person and like do you want to talk about the wheel of fortune a little bit yeah okay so uh, yeah I was on a mentorship for a year and a half and one of the most liberating ideas I suppose was this wheel of fortune or the life wheel or whatever you want to call it so like clinical psychologists would use this and therapists would use this as a technique in trying to make somebody feel more happy about their life and basically you take your life and you split it up into between like six and ten different areas of life and they consist of like love um they consist of love your job your earnings your education uh, relationships with friends your love life your sex life and then you can plug in a couple more as well so it looks like a pie chart right 
and the pie chart is basically makes up 100% of your life like how you spend your day to day or how you feel in life like so what you do then is you mark out like let's say let's say relationships or friendships and you look at it as a whole and you say okay so where where's my happiness level in relationships have I got many friends like am I using them have I got lots of friends but I'm not using them or do I have a few friends and I'm using them 100% and how do I feel in those relationships are they relationships that build me up are they relationships that drag me down are they positive ones are they toxic ones and then you have to look at this each one of these segments of your your pie chart or your your life chart and you give it a percentage or a one out of ten marking or a rating and like so your friendships could be like a, a three out of ten and your love life could be like a ten out of ten and your bank account could be like a one out of ten and your job could be like a one out of ten and you can see possibly like by the end of marking out all of these different things that you look at the chart and it might say your gym is like 10 out of 10 your love life is 10 out of 10 but everything else is one out of 10 and all this time you've been wondering why life feels like shit because it's out of balance and then what it comes down to is you're focusing all your energy into the gym and your love life but everything else has fallen away to the wayside and then what you do with the leftover segments of the pie i suppose is you write down ways in which you can make that section just a little bit better day by day week by week or month by month and then you have to like regularly reflect so you have to do a bit of reflective practice so you'll implement something that you think is going to make your education section of life a little bit better maybe maybe it was a two out of ten and your aim over the next two weeks is to make it a three or a four out of ten so what happens is after a month you'll reflect back on your pie chart or your life chart or your wheel of fortune and you'll ask yourself okay so did i make it in my education a two to a three or two to a four and you can say yes or no and you have to ask yourself well why did i do that or how did i do that and am i still going to progress in that area and therefore if you do that in all nine ten 12 areas depends how many areas you've chosen to put on this wheel of fortune then you're able to structure and measure how far you can progress into happiness because the way that clinical psychologists and therapists look at this is if you're stagnant or regressing in any area in life that's when a person is unhappy and unfulfilled but if you take a section of life or a hobby or the gym or your fitness or your relationships and you're making any kind of progress in that area that's when happiness is generated because you can reflect upon it and you know that you're moving in a desired direction so that for me is the wheel of fortune and whenever i did it for me I focused on um, the relationships with my family. I focused on time off from my job. I focused on traveling around a little bit and a couple of other bits and pieces like windsurfing like every weekend. 
and it had the most profound, incredible result on my happiness in life within the first month. Okay, so whenever you're doing this with your partner, where where can it be powerful then for a couple that are maybe like head to head and they're like, oh, I just can't communicate with you right now because every time I try and be vulnerable, you feel like I'm attacking you and I'm not attacking you because all I want to do is talk to you and tell you how I feel, but you're misunderstanding me because you don't understand what I'm trying to say because I, <laughs> do you know what I'm getting at? <laughs> like this is, yeah, this is what people feel. I think I think that that's separate. Like the the wheel of fortune is something that. So. But you can do the wheel of fortune with your partner because if you're coming to the point for us I remember when we did it whenever we did the wheel of fortune and we were on relationships I remember thinking that like it was a three or something and and you maybe put like a four or maybe yours was a nine I'm not quite sure and then we were able to then think well Orla why are you a three what what what's making you feel like a three in this relationship and how can we get you to a four and it and as a couple I feel like when we did that together as a vulnerable practice also introducing other elements of life so that it wasn't just about relationships I feel like that was really lovely because it also had that buffering edge to it as well that it wasn't just like how do we fix the relationship or how do we feel better with each other like we were able to use this wheel yeah so we were able to see that like socializing was like a two out of ten and we were like oh that's because we're being hermits and we just want to cuddle on the sofa when in actual fact maybe our souls and our in our core we want to go out and socialize and be around people a bit more mm-hmm. you know which is really important for people to recognize like what in their relationships is something that is being detrimental on how they feel life is going mm-hmm. like maybe cuddling up on the sofa is great but also going out for a dance and a chat with other people as a partnership is great too so mm-hmm. do you know yeah, and and now I want to kind of, so the topic of this podcast for us today is we're going to focus on a three-part series and today is talking about sex and sexuality and relationships and everything that goes along with that and all of the struggles and all of the intimacies and all of the womanly problems and periods and everything and to kind of open up a little bit about I want to talk to you a little bit about a man and a man's perspective and I am so grateful that I have the opportunity to bring you forward especially for the girls that follow me and maybe the young girls as well um and I want to just go back to like the beginning of our relationship when we first our first date like our first night (laughs) and like how wonderful and crazy and sexual and intimate all of that time was and then for a man to come into the relationship too I spoke a little bit about my struggles in my first podcast about how I just felt like the carpet was like pulled from underneath my feet because I could no longer have sex and at that point being the man that was my partner like how did how did that journey go for you well obviously at the start it was it was like extreme lust it was there was a lot of it there was lots of sex um fantastic sex but whenever it came to like a sudden halt i suppose from my perspective it was a bit like um didn't see that coming fuck <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, like that come out of the blue and I suppose my head was like, 
well, you've been cheating for the last seven years, so you fucking deserve this, don't you? <laughs> All right, God, good man, thank you. <laughs> Big lesson for PC Paul, great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the universe is like, you will learn how to be in a relationship and not like go off all over the place and seek gratification from other people. And I think the universe is like, this is going to be your lesson. You are going to fucking learn from this. Keep it in your pants, Paul. And so not just like that, that's kind of like the funny side of it, but like in all seriousness, what yeah. was, what was happening for you? Like mentally, what was happening on a physical level and a mental level there? Because not only were you not able to have sex with your partner, but you also had to support her through this. Yeah, it was, that was a tough time. Like there was the fact that you were being supported through all of that sexual tension and like the inability there was the coil that was like every time we had sex it seemed like it was gonna flip and burst your uterus and i don't know like that like some people might think oh that must have felt great like you must have felt massive but no it didn't it ruined sex completely to the point where you didn't want to put it in even halfway because you're scared it was gonna hurt and that's not eternal like uh, I'd make the worst rapist in the world because I'd seeing you in pain just, I'm, no, it's just not for me. Mm. <laughs> so then there was that, and then there was obviously like the fact that you had a PhD to complete, and so you're stressed out about that. And then you had like multiple thrush and UTIs. Um, yeah, just like every block to sex was happening. <laughs> and for me personally, I suppose I didn't fall victim to it, but I suppose I was just like, uh, every now and again, I suppose I'd be hard done by because I'd be like, oh, I really just want to have sex with you and it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And so, like, this is obviously normal in relationships. I think that couples go through this way more often than they would care to admit. And every woman at some point has some kind of ailment on there that stops her being able to fully, like, enjoy her sex life and fully embody everything sensual and intimate with her partner. And for me, like, coming from a relationship, Paul, where the past two relationships I'd been in, I stayed for the sex because I had always had a wonderful sex life. Like, And I feel like you and I both at the same time were together learning how to be in a relationship without that sex because I believed that relationships, you were only in them for the sex, like pretty much my previous two relationships before that. And so it was really hard for me to think like, why... Like, I went through so much, like, am I supposed to be with him? Is this God telling me that he's not compatible? Are we compatible? Like, I had all of this going on in my head. And I had the most incredible man beside me. And I was just so confronted with, like, it was so difficult. Like, because I had a friend telling me as well, like, oh, that means you're not compatible. Like, you should just leave him, you know. And us knowing that, like, we really wanted to be together. But, like, this part of our relationship just totally being stripped away. Like, how do you think other men cope with that or how how would you like advise men to cope with that now and 
And is this something that you're even comfortable talking about, or is this totally outside your comfort zone? This is, yeah, not outside of my comfort zone, 100%, because, like, in hindsight, there's so much about our first year to year and a half that I, and this could be triggering for you, but I, I look back and I'm like, wow, like, maybe you should have walked away, and, like, maybe it was a position where, you should have walked away and then made a go of it then a year later or whatever. But that wasn't the case and that's you can't live in that fantasy of what if. So the fact was I stuck around. I chose to be the partner that I still to this day believe that you needed. And maybe in the process you allowed yourself to put your needs to the side and therefore now look back at it and have a bit of resentment in the relationship because you didn't put your needs first as well and that's something that I'm learning oh, at the 100%. minute 100% and I think that like every now and again you get like a message through from the back of your head going geez the universe gives you so many opportunities to walk away and you're still like being a prat but that only happens every now and again I think that that happens with everybody but the fact is like with any relationship you make a conscious choice to be in it and accept the challenge and do you think Paul as well um that in your mind right you're faced now with like that thought sometimes you said that oh, you were given so many opportunities to walk away. Do you know how you and I talk a lot about how past relationships, sometimes we're not able to see what we needed to do at the time. Do you think that that could be something that your brain's telling you from your previous relationship as well? Like you had so many opportunities to walk away and do you think maybe you're projecting that into this relationship by accident? No, I think that this one's separate. I think that this one's separate because it's totally different. Like this type of relationship is totally new to me. Whereas... I suppose looking back in hindsight, I ju- I'm just looking back in hindsight being like, wow, the universe did give you plenty of opportunities to walk away. Like, we could talk about many different times where there had been a scenario cropped up and maybe a stronger minded man would have walked away. But I suppose we could get onto that as well the fact that I was yearning for love and I just craved it so much that. I would have done anything to keep you in my bubble, Mm -hmm. I suppose, especially in that first year. And what would you say, because I know that this is definitely a struggle that other relationships go through as well, what would you say to a man or a woman who is struggling to have sex with her partner at the minute and like, what, like what, what, what way do they need to look at it to try and see the bigger picture? dependent on their scenario but with most cases it's not always going to be like that so the fact is if you are craving the sex or you feel like you can't do a relationship without it then you're already in an addictive mentality it's it's like replace the word sex with the word cocaine and you start to say like, oh, I wouldn't want to stay with you if you're not going to give me cocaine. Or I wouldn't want to stay with you 
if I only get cocaine from you once a month. Like, once you start changing the words to a drug, people start to realize that, like, there are many things in our lives that we have addictive behaviors and traits towards. And maybe you need to start addressing the fact that you need to take some time away from these things in order for you to realize that it doesn't rule your life. You shouldn't let sex be the dictator of your life. You should you should be in control of it. Like it really address is your sexuality in control of you or are you in control of your sexuality? Because if you're in control of your sexuality, you should be able to like take a, take a step back as a partnership and say we can take the next two months off and it not feel like a massive loss or something that could break the relationship up. Like that that's that's the key, I think, mm-hmm. for you to be able to take those addictive personality traits away from it and let it be what it is, which is a delicious thing that we can partake in in a relationship, not the thing that you need to keep the relationship together. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what I did in my previous relationships. I think that's what <laughs> 99% of people do in their relationships, to be honest. Yeah. And so now go to the point remember I was like is this God like is God telling me that we need to wait until we're married before we can have sex like this guilt and this shame just started to surround my sex life and every time I was having sex I felt like I was being watched by God at po- a point I was like I can't do this like I, I physically can't do this and and that's strange because I went through like four or five years of having sex just fine and then all of a sudden with you like this was a huge factor in my life and for someone who didn't come from a Catholic background how did you deal with this kind of how, how did this affect you? I remember the religion thing. I remember specifically being, oh, oh fucking something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, in my in the back of my head, I was like, is it really that bad that she has to think up that God's watching her to not have sex with me? <laughs> and I know, like in my in my heart, like our sex is good, so I'm like. That was just me being in a lower place at that point, I suppose, because like life wasn't going according to plan at that point, if you remember, even on my part. So I remember the religion thing, trying to help. Do you remember when I was like, Let, let's go to the beach? Yeah. And we'll have a conversation with God and we'll declare our relationship in the eyes of God and then see if that works. Because I wanted the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked. It certainly did work. And as I, like, well, whenever we went and we we did, we made vows. We did. We did our own little thing and we made vows. And I definitely think that that helped me. We had a a spiritual ceremony on the beach, definitely. Because the beach is my church. And I've always said that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, So, yeah, I... I remember then being like oh yeah no like we can do this but it wasn't just that then it was the thrush and the UTIs and getting the coil out these physical so things hard. had been there for so long mm-hmm. and then eventually when I left my PhD Paul wasn't it just crazy like that's stressful this is another thing I would like to say like if you're in a relationship and if your relationship is struggling in a sexual intimate way 
then look at the other areas of your life and this is where we could look at the wheel of fortune as well is like how fulfilled are you in those other areas because I know for a fact that when I was stripped of every ounce of courage confidence and purpose that I had I could not receive any pleasure from you through intimacy and I was really like searching for it in other ways and I remember asking you like can we have a conversation with no clothes on can we um like talk about this and that and and like we touched a lot and I remember like the cuddles and everything but it just there was so much shit going on externally in my life that I couldn't accept pleasure from you sexually and now as I learn and as I get older and as I finish the books and the, the journey that I'm on now I believe that any amount of pleasure that I can accept through myself then that means that it will triple the amount of pleasure that I can receive actually thousand million times the amount of pleasure I can receive from life not just life then from you sexually and obviously because we are in a long distance relationship right now that's a huge element of our conversation sometimes and maybe that's something that we should go into as well like how do we keep the relationship saucy whenever we're um long distance but we don't <laughs> <laughs> you that's, that's that's a boring conversation but yeah okay we can talk about that oh you're so funny because like how long like let, let's actually talk about that or okay I trigger you with this, but that's like, fine the fact is, how long have you been in person now um three months since you like no. oh okay six no. months six since months before christmas yeah so it's more than six months is it not um i don't know <laughs> maybe like six it is <laughs> seven it's more than six months i think it's like seven months okay right seven months and we've had bone sex two or three times yeah but i'm not comfortable with it <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Let's so this <laughs> oranges, oranges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm just. All right, you can have your oranges this time. Then. No, no, Sorry. I'm fine, and we can explain that oranges is a trigger word. So when we're having a conversation, and if someone gets triggered, we use the word oranges to like, really just let the other person know that like, either you've hurt their feelings or they're about to snap. Yeah. Or conversations about to go downhill rapidly yeah and we just like take a step back and allow the other person to just freely communicate but what i would say it actually and... gives the opportunity to smile as well you're like oh fucking oranges are right. <laughs> <laughs> it totally takes all the ego out of the situation and strips that language of all the power that we've given it and we get all the power back um, and that's why i love oranges but what i would say that's is like i think that for me I feel very like when I try and do sexual things in a video or pictures I'm fine with I don't mind pictures but videos and stuff or FaceTime I feel really like porny I feel like I'm um not totally doing it yeah I feel like I'm performing and I don't love that I don't feel fully embodied in that but Paul remember I'm on this journey so you might just get the most wonderful video you have actually received some quite saucy videos of myself recently which have definitely oh, that hasn't happened I was just saying I was just giving them like <laughs> long distance how are we making it work sometimes I wonder how well do you do you wank a lot like do you well, masturbate how... a lot or oh see this is not this is something I was telling you before like outside of this conversation where I was like I've been doing so much stuff to fulfill me on a holistic level and a spiritual level that 
the sexual craving and the sexual, like, my sexual addictive traits are starting to dissipate. They're starting to dissolve. So where I would have, like, wanted to have a wank before I go to sleep before, like, that, that that's not even a thing anymore. So I'm masturbating a hell of a lot less than I used to. Like, I would say once a week if I'm, if I'm on a roll. <laughs> you know what? Well, it's maybe funny. That's, maybe that's the traits of being older. I don't know. Because, <laughs> no, you're not losing it. Because I find that at the moment I'm doing it as like more of a ceremony for myself to like feel fully connected to myself and embody my sensuality yeah. and feel my body and feel my nipples and feel my vulva. And like that's for me now to, to do as whereas before like it was a very like I just want to I'm procrastinating I just want to feel this and get it done and get it over with and yeah, I never fully them. yeah I never fully embodied the experience but when I do it and I'm fully connected to it like it's a, it's a totally different level and I feel like that I do genuinely think that also what we're going through with our separate journeys at the minute there is a very clear and definite like line between our journeys and and to be honest I, I I love your journey it makes me so grateful that you're willing and I said this to you today that you're so willing to bring the whole person that you are into this relationship with courage that I cannot only be so grateful for that because it means that our relationship will be stronger because you're bringing everything that you are to it and that's difficult so much of how we've been raised especially women is to just shut up say nothing and get on with it but whenever you meet someone that's willing to delve into themselves and bring their wholeness into the relationship I feel like it just brings the relationship to a whole different level mm. it's scary to delve into yourself though isn't it it's very emotional I'm... yeah I think that like one of the things that people should take note of is like as soon as you start to really reflect on who you are and what you do and what your actions say about you, be prepared to cry because you might not like the person that you are and that's okay because you don't have to stay that person forever. But, you know, it's not you're not you're not a permanent fixture. Like just because like you're not a chair. And tomorrow you'll still be a chair and the next day you're still going to be a chair. Like you're a person and you're malleable. I like this new word I've learned. And just because you are a victim of your circumstances today doesn't mean that those same circumstances won't empower you to be the next best Superman in that area in a week's time from now. Do you know, it's, it's, it's totally different. I think people need to be prepared to hurt for the idea of who they are and then take that and make themselves into strong versions of themselves with it too. I think it's like something that I've went through recently where like I've actually stepped away from this nutritionist identity of like I'm a nutritionist and I'll help you lose weight and I'll coach you to lose weight and it's it's actually really like every time I go onto my social media now I'm nervous and I'm vulnerable because it's actually me. Like as much as even this conversation so and sharing this journey of, of um, searching for my feminine power and everything that comes along with being strong and independent and searching 
you know this this new path of enlightenment and that's okay describe to me like what feminine power is and why those two words have to be side by side and why it's not just my feminine it doesn't have to be side by side it can be my feminine yeah i'm just curious it's literally just a dialogue yeah yeah my feminine's enough (laughs) more than enough i'm just curious i I suppose i heard it a few times and i was like oh yeah i mean power beside the word of anything is to make it more impactful, to make it more imminent, to make it more, like, heard. Mm, okay. that, that's the only reason that power would be it's beside like anything. It's yeah. more appealing, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And, and that's the only time that we ever use that word is when we want to make more of an impactful impact. <laughs> impactful impact. impact. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so... I'm just thinking now, um, we've delved into the sex side of things a little bit, but not as much as I thought we would be able to, because I don't think that it's an area that you're actually fully comfortable talking about. Is, am I right? Or well, I mean, let's explain to them like, the fact that I have had many as a sexual partner, and I've never been one to kiss and tell, ever. So... For me to talk about my sexual life in any way, shape or form feels very, very obscure and unnatural for me. So this is 100% out of my comfort zone even talking to this level. So if you lead the conversation, maybe I'll tag along. (laughs) (laughs) But as as far as I'm concerned, like this is way deeper, this is balls deep so far. Okay, so going from the most incredible sexual orgasmic crazy sex that we had for the first three months to mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. What's that like not for a man? Only, not, not only nothing, like that along man lines, like at that stage you were also telling me that you, you liked another guy. So our sex had stopped and you told me that you were interested in somebody else. Mm-hmm. Going hand in hand, that, that hurts. Like those things together. So then even like that, that could make you then not want to have sex either. It's like, but Paul, you're, that when that happened and we had come to that conversation, by the end of that conversation, we were able to like see very clearly I was able to see very clearly, I don't want that other person. I want what I think that other person can give me. But I didn't consider then, I didn't consider that through my healing that you were still this hurt little boy. And I didn't know that for a long time. And I think that you kept that in for so long. 100%. I I kept it in because the bigger picture was get you through university and move on with the rest of our life. So yeah, I did suffer and I suppose while we were healing you that day, I suppose I was being cut open. So we're stitching you up and opening me up Mm -hmm. in a a way, all in the one day. Yeah, which I think so many people do in relationships and something I was listening to today was like, you need to make sure that when you are having these conversations that both people are heard you don't need to agree you can actually 
you can actually um, healthily disagree and validate both sides of the opinions but making sure that each is heard because whenever you believe that you're right and whenever you believe the other person is wrong that's whenever it becomes really difficult and the communication can just break down and egos can come into play people can get angry and there can be aggression yeah well the fact is like if you believe that the other person is wrong that's all good and well until you feel that they need to believe you're right mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's fine them being wrong you should be able to walk away from someone believing that they are wrong but it's it's very detrimental to believe that they are wrong but they also need to learn that your way is the right way mm -hmm. and That's so what would you say then like Say, for example, if, you know what, Paul, this relationship has switched. You're now in a position where you're not really all that intrigued. Well, whenever you were in Perth with me and when we were together, you definitely weren't that sexual. And it was me. I was the one that was initiating everything. And I was the one that wanted to have sex. And I was the one that, you know, made made the moves. But as as a woman in another relationship, sometimes they're like, why do I always have to be the one to make the move? Like... I if I well, the message I could give to women is stand in your power that you can be the one to be like hey I want to have sex with you tonight why why is it not okay for the woman to be like I want to have sex with you tonight okay let's make it happen well I I think like I'm gonna disagree with your narrative I don't think that that's correct because if you start to look around the world how many lingerie shops are there how many lingerie sections are there in Coles, TK Maxx, like Sainsbury's, every shop where there are a pair of pants, you'll find a lingerie section. And this is because we might not talk about it very much, but women are very, very happy to go to the effort to look sexy for their man or their man on the side. Okay, I need to interrupt because there's very, yeah. there's a very big difference between looking sexy and feeling wanted. Totally two different things. Yeah, but they come hand in hand. So what happens is you go to the effort to do your nails, your eyelashes, your hair. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> lingerie. No, you don't. But oh, you have a, a couple of times. <laughs> and let's go back to that. The times that you have put lingerie on, you feel so sexy and you act differently and you take control of certain like positions. and. Yes, like, yes, yes. That you, is very true. You do what you feel like it is sexy you take you embody that yourself you're not playing a role you just embody the feeling that you're feeling at the time and i think that to even to even think that there is a narrative that women don't do that paul i really I mean. don't think that that many women are comfortable initiating and if they do and they get turned on it's the end of the world i oh. think that's a thing i don't know if women get turned down ever <laughs> <laughs> I could, I t I give you I give you a, you turned me down when oh I don't even know I just said that that's never happened before in this relationship <laughs> even when I didn't want to I did it anyway oh and here we go I, now even when I didn't want to you got to the end hey <laughs> oh my gosh are you Australian hey <laughs> hey either that or Canadian mm. um no, the way I see it is like this. 
there may be many people who are uncomfortable at the idea of it, but there, there are so many people doing it, and otherwise there wouldn't be that many pants for sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, why if we just, what about if we just want to get the sexy pants for ourselves? Maybe they do. Maybe they want to do it for a photo shoot. Or They're not really comfortable, though. They never are comfortable. <laughs> but it, there's a difference between... I don't know if you're supposed to feel comfortable. Oh. I think you're supposed to feel nervous. You're like splitting you in half. That's what it, because you... you <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that's, that's a bodily discomfort. That's not a mental discomfort. No, I'm not mentally uncomfortable when I'm in that... When I'm in lingerie. I mean, like, it's actually uncomfortable. It digs into your sides and different parts of your body in ways that aren't very comfortable. Then find more comfy lingerie. (laughs) Are you asking me to buy lingerie on this live podcast? (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to buy flipping ones made out of barbed wire. You can go buy silk. (laughs) Yeah, all right. How about you buy it? How about I buy it? I've never bought you any lingerie before. <laughs> Here we go. We'll have to do a podcast on how that went. <laughs> no, we'll give that to ourselves. Thank you oh, Well, I just want to say thank you for actually opening up a little bit on here because I had no idea prior to starting this that you would, I could feel the discomfort in your voice and I had no idea that that was going to even be a part of this podcast. So thank you so much, Paul, for opening up and kind of sharing a little bit about your story. Um and maybe next time I'll have more direct questions to throw at you so that you can jump in straight away and get warmed up and lubed up. How about that? <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to add? Nah, I don't, I don't think so. As far as I'm concerned, like when it comes to sex and relationships, they're... They're not separate, but they are as well, especially if you have, like, cravings for it or you think that not having it would ruin your day or week. Like, that's that's a total separate issue to the relationship. That's, that's your own personal relationship to sex, and that's something that you need to work out. And then once you've worked that out and you've understood yourself, then obviously you can start working on the relationship as well as a separate topic and then once you've done both of those things they start to work in harmony like that you have to work on them separately so that they can both come together that's kind of like how it is for two people anyway isn't it <laughs> that is really profound that was really good thank you for adding that that was quite incredible mm, okay thanks. all right thank you i love you paul i love you too now we're just going to move on to some of the questions that we were asked on social media. So do you ever get the ick during sex and say to yourself, I don't want to be doing this? Yeah, that's happened before. In 100%. the relationship? Mm, yeah. Okay, so what, what do you do? So it's usually because your mind is wandering or they've said something or acted in a way that reminds you of like a previous person or a situation it's not normally for me personally it's not normally like the person or the situation it's normally all in my head I remember like um, 
I remember like we were having sex before and I think he said something and like it just took me way back to like a different stage in my life and I was like oh like, I don't really want to be doing this right now <laughs> like really really like and my my PP agreed my PP agreed well. yeah because you went through a period of actually going soft mm. as well yeah. yeah I did yeah oh I did real stressful yeah yeah that went on for a while actually Mm-hmm. And it's funny because yeah. I never, in any, I'm so grateful that in any of the circumstances, I never thought it was because of me. <laughs> My mother raised me well. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to answer the question now. This happens to me quite a lot. And, mm. and you know when it happens to me. So it, it hasn't really happened to me in our last time that we got together because I feel like I'm growing back, like our sex life is finally getting back on board after a year because it's been, we've been having sex again regularly for about a year and then before that was all the time that we couldn't. So um, it would always result in numbness. I would feel pressure to come. I would feel pressure to stay wet. And then when all of these come into play, I just go dry and... I'm like spitting all over it just to try and get us to finish. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Like, and this is this probably and that's happens. A vibe that you can subconsciously yeah. feel. Like, you... I can feel that, and it's not. I know it's, it's horrible. Not sexual, it's no. not a sexual vibe. And and I think then at that point, now because I'm more in tune with myself, and I can say, Paul, I'm actually like. we need to stop. And sometimes I have said it that, and I think sometimes yeah. you get taken aback, and you're a bit like like what yeah you do you feel rejected and yet Mm. it's got absolutely nothing to do with you and that's where we're different I don't feel the rejection that you feel it's hard to even okay so we just had a little bit of a connection issue but we're back and Paul and I were talking about getting like that during sex and you don't you feel pressure then to continue and that would have happened to me a lot and I would have felt like I had to um like put myself under pressure or like touch myself during sex to make sure that I could orgasm to make sure that he could come and then to make sure that like both parties got to the end pretty much because you're you don't like to finish until I have definitely orgasmed and I think sometimes that's where that pressure came from then it's like well he won't finish until I do and and now I feel pressure that I have to and but what I do think that we've stumbled upon in that question so I'm really thankful for this is the pressure that we're put under to perform and like the pressure that surrounds sex and the pressure that like people feel in that moment to not be able to communicate how they're feeling when it really should be the most intimate and vulnerable time for you guys to communicate really openly. And it's, that's hard to do that when all you want to do is make the other person feel good. And, and you don't want the other person to feel like they're not making you feel good. Exactly. So you're both sitting there lying to each other, basically. But do you not think then that we have stumbled across this, like, the pressure to make, like, that pressure is there? Like, how do we, how do we help people remove that pressure? Yeah, that's, that's a tricky question because the fact is you're in a position crap pardon the pun but you're in a position where 
the potential to hurt somebody's feelings is always going to be there if you say, I think we should stop. But not only that, I actually think as well that coming from a woman's point of view, I think that you need to learn what you like because I play with myself a lot during sex. Some women don't do that at all and I find that crazy. So I think that you need to know what you like so that you know what you can tell him that you want because if that's not there and if you don't play with yourself during sex, like how does he... How does he know how to play with you? If you've never played with yourself before, if you've never masturbated before, I think that's important to you. Um, I think that like lots of different people have different ways of having sex. And I think that having that exploration phase for the first year, two years, is really important. But I don't know, I don't know much about other men really in their sex life, but for me, I think it's intriguing to explore sex with, with my partner at the time, with you. So, like, I'm inquisitive. And I like to know what feels good and what doesn't feel good, what you'll squirm away from or what you'll be, like, intrigued by or what will work, like, to get you there or take you to the edge. But then... That's all very well doing that. But if you're not in a headspace... To be receiving of it, none of it's really going to work properly anyway. And you're going to get to the X stage of sex much quicker than you would if than if you were a fulfilled, holistically happy person. And I do actually really think it comes down to that as well. I really think it comes down to how how well rounded are you feeling about yourself? Do you feel confident? Do you feel ready? Do you feel like you've listened to your heart? Do you feel like other areas of your life feel good and I do think that we've kind of hit that nail on the head because we said that first when yeah. the question came through um so we'll I move on to like... go on oh, okay no go well, on I was just like your emphasis on like knowing yourself for the woman playing with yourself and know what you like and all the rest of it like that's that's perfectly fair but sometimes the female doesn't really know what she likes until the man shows her and that's Sometimes that's good too. It's just just depends. Oh well, actually, just, no, that is very true because you can actually get in there. <laughs> There's things and motions and movements that you have hips. You can we can't do that with our pleasure wands or dildos. So yes, that is one hundred percent fair. It's always going to be better when the man is in there. Well, actually, I do agree. I do believe it's going to be better. But the other thing is, like, a woman can explore her outside, and definitely make herself know the stroke that she likes like you you've learned the stroke that i like from me correct yeah i think so yeah there's a few yeah so that's because i've been like i like it this way put your hand that way you know and if a woman doesn't know that then he doesn't know that and he's doing things to her that she doesn't like or feel like the feeling of yeah going at it like a jackhammer and doing yeah nothing. oh there's nothing worse <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay so Next question is, if your partner is doing something that you don't like, how do you approach that? It depends what it is. You say, sure. you say, like this, Orla. <laughs> Am I that feminine when it comes to that? <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like, Jesus. you're like less pressure or like more tongue or like, it's mostly when I'm given a blowjob because... 
that's just whenever I guess you're like I like it this way and you do have certain things that you like that I'm just like I don't know if I can do this (laughs) (laughs) like I try and watch you and I'm like his hand's a totally different shape how does that even feel any good I don't know but I, I do I think that like you're quite good at just saying it and I know that I am now but I think before in the past I would have just kind of like accepted it or like waited for it to pass especially with the cl- the the stroking on my clit like I would have just been like oh no that's a bit too hard but I wouldn't have said anything only until like this year where I've been like no I like it this way better or like you know two and when you're fingering me for like getting ready like two fingers is nearly sometimes too much like just one so yeah things like that I feel like now as I'm getting more confident in myself I'm able to communicate it better but like I know for many many years in many many past sexual experiences I just didn't say anything no because why would you I don't you didn't have the confidence and you didn't feel like you knew enough to say anything so why would you say anything but it's important with your partner. This question is about your partner. Mm, I know. So this is this is something that we're touching on again and a knowledge. So how can we help with people approaching that? <laughs> a code word. Oranges. <laughs> that would be perfect, wouldn't it? No, weird that would show. Um when it comes to that sort of thing, I think that, like, you both have to go into sex knowing that, like, if you're going to be adjusted or told to do something differently, that it's not, you're not being put down. I have an idea. I think that you and your partner should have an experimental day or, like, have some time put aside where, like, you just experiment and the whole day or the whole hour or whatever is just about experimenting with each other because mm. communicate prior to the event what you want then he will give you what you want and you can say I don't like this I actually think Paul it comes down to communication because I know I where, so, yeah. where I was raised we weren't taught to communicate about sex at all. In fact, sometimes my mum still cringes when I try and talk to her about having sex with daddy. She's like, shut well, up. Same, same <laughs> with her family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And nothing, so, nothing said. but you and I, from the get-go, were so vocal, like talking about sex, how we liked sex, positions that we liked, positions that we didn't like. And the best time, guys, if you're uncomfortable doing this with your partner, the best time to do it is right after you've just had sex. Right after. Oh, yeah, you're both super open to conversation. Yeah. If you're not falling asleep. Yeah. Just just start with, like, this is what I really liked and this is what I didn't like. And he'll probably get another hard on. <laughs> Go yeah, again. If you've made it this far, thank you so, so much for listening to my podcast, The Distance Within Us, and this short series that I will be doing with my partner Paul Robinson. If some of this has resonated with you and you feel like you need to just have someone to talk to, please reach out to me through my Instagram, Dr. Orla Furlong. I will be there to listen to you because I believe that your voice needs to be heard too. Thanks again and I'll see you in my next episode.